Good morning. I was, um, uh, today's a unique day. This is indeed the day that the Lord has given us, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. I wasn't sure if I should start out with this or not, but I think uh, because of <clears throat> the seriousness of our gathering, sometimes I think <clears throat> people come to church to be entertained, to feel good about themselves, to walk away motivated, to fulfill personal goals and desires to kind of come to church and see if God can perform as a genie does and fix everything. It's not why we're here. We're here as a, as a church to hear from the Lord himself. Do you understand that? Not to hear from me. I always pray that the Lord would set me aside and the only thing that you hear are only the things that he ordains for me to, to speak to you. As I teach the word, that you hear his word, not my word. I, uh, I must confess that I come to you as a broken. Tom, you just lost your sister, Sandy. Senia, Georgie. And, uh, <clears throat> and then and then this last week I, I found out that my dad is, is terminal. I'm not, I'm not here to just fill you with more information, more knowledge about the word. I'm, I'm here to lay out for you something that goes far beyond what you could even comprehend, and yet you need to believe by faith. The word of God is before us to minister to us. It's true. I'm here to proclaim to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 1, verses, starting in verse 18, it says, Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that uh, that your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at, at all ashamed, but 
that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. To remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. I desire to speak and declare the same things that the Apostle Paul has declared to the church. That, that in me there may be ample opportunity for, for us to rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. To my dad, Sam, Father, Father, Dad, I'm sorry for leaving you yesterday. But I must be about my father's business. I ask of you, and I am going to implore you, and Dad, if you're watching right now and you're listening, I'm asking everyone here and everyone who's watching to pray for him. That as we were singing we will run to Jesus Christ. And I pray that one day, perhaps today would be the day of salvation for my dad, and he will run into the arms of Christ. That is our only hope. It's the only reason why I'm here. I begin with that because the God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has impressed upon me to communicate to you the reason why, again, we're here gathered together, the whole reason why I am here standing before you, to consider the seriousness of, of this gathering, this fellowship, that you might perhaps, perhaps just a little more, incline your ear to what the Lord has to say to you specifically that you would not put off to tomorrow for tomorrow because you don't know if you have tomorrow what you know you ought to do today and that is to surrender your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and know with great confidence the hope of heaven. I pray that you will do that. Just pray for me. Because I do need strength to just continue to go on and to do that which God has called me to do. And again, it's for your sake. I'm here for your sake. All right? I'm here to be used by the Lord for you. And I don't do that regretfully. I don't do that saying anything of myself at all. I do that because I know 
that for me, I want to be faithful to the Lord. And I want to make sure I'm heaping up treasure in heaven, honoring and blessing my Father in heaven. Please open up your Bibles to 3 John. John, <clears throat> the uh, title of this morning's message is Imitate Good and Not, e not Evil. Imitate Good and Not Evil. Third John chapter 1, verse 1. The elder to the be beloved Gaius, Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add, to, uh, add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, with uh, the desire to hear from you. I ask, Lord, that you would open up our hearts, and Lord, that you would give us understanding, that we would be receptive to your word, and I also pray, Father, and ask that, uh, Lord, you would not allow your word to fall on deaf ears. Lord, whether we are hard-hearted or stiff-necked, Lord, that you would break through it all. Lord, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, these you will not despise. You'll never turn back from that. You, wouldn't, you will never withhold from the person who genuinely comes to you and desires to receive from you. And I pray, Father, that we would be those people genuinely desiring to hear from you today. May your word effectively work on our hearts 
And that, Lord, you may do what you choose to do with us today. And so, Lord, increase our faith through the teaching of your word, that as we hear, we understand and apply. We thank you for this time, Lord, and we commit it into your hands, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So imitate good and not evil. It truly always amazes me the clarity of contrast that a few words can expose. Just a few words. I mean, we have 15 verses here. Super clear. The Bible, you see, quickly cuts with precision and exposes what needs to be understood and discerned for the purpose of enabling or equipping people, you and I, God's people, to be able to choose wisely and act accordingly. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13 For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is something that Ray had pointed to as it is that the very word of God, as we read through it, if we, as we have fellowship with the Lord, he does business with us. Because the word of God is what's powerful and able to cut deeply and precisely exactly where we need to be revealed and opened up for us to realize what it is that we need to confess and repent of and know that God is a great healer that can not only take that out, but he can also prosper us in our spiritual health to where we can grow and mature, sharpening our discernment and having wisdom that comes from the very word of God. The Bible not only defines what is true and what is evil, but it also gives plenty of examples of both to give us a clear understanding, example after example, of what's evil and what's good. In 1 John chapter 2, in verse 1, the apostle John writes, my little children, children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. As we go into this third letter of John and we consider his first letter and the first 
six verses that we read there of the second chapter, we understand that what John desires, and more importantly, what God desires, is that we not only know the truth, but we walk in the truth. And by doing so, we demonstrate to the Lord that we are His and that we love Him. I said it earlier in a gathering with a few that what we need to be mindful of is the Lord. We don't need to think less of ourselves. We just need to not think of ourselves. We already think too much of ourselves. There's all kinds of terminology that's being used today in the world in order for us to take our eyes off the Lord and what is, what is true, what really is of value, and put it back on us. In this third letter of John, we'll learn of a couple men who are walking in the truth. There's this contrast. Two men walking in the truth and one man who is not walking in the truth. In other words, two men worth imitating and one worth avoiding and running away from. We'll see that there's, there's some people that need to be marked and avoided. The Bible warns us, tells us, that there are certain people that we need to just, okay, that person, this is why he is teaching what is false, and you are to avoid him. Don't compromise. Don't think that you're going to somehow avoid being deceived. If you're already thinking that way, then you're already compromised at that point. No, there are two men. This is a contrast here, and we read through it. We're going to walk through it. Two men worth imitating and one man that is worth marking and avoiding. John's third letter is written to a man named Gaius. Gaius was a very common name in John's day, by the way. The name means happy, jolly, cheerful, uh, a person who uh, was known to do things in a friendly way. That's, that's what his name means. I, I couldn't help but look up the meaning of his name and think about how it was that he was an encouragement to the church. And he was a man that, that John himself said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And he was referring to Gaius. John refers to himself as the elder either because he was well-known by Gaius or perhaps, as I said last week, they were in a time of persecution and to avoid any specific names, perhaps even Gaius was not a specific person because we cannot, we cannot associate him with other sections of Scripture that bring up that name because it's not specific. We don't know. But perhaps because... John knew that it was a dangerous time for believers and it was a time of persecution. He didn't want to give specific names nor even identify himself specifically. But we do know that it was the letter written by the Apostle John. It is a brief letter as we just read through it quickly. But it is a powerful letter. As John greets and encourages a man who is walking in the truth and by doing so is a source of of encouragement to John and to all the body of, of the believers, the church itself. 
a man, Gaius, who is facilitating the spreading of the gospel by his, get this, and, and anyone who thinks that you serve in an insignificant way within the church or the body of Christ, think again. Because John was referring to a man and encouraging him because he was participating, facilitating the spreading of the gospel by his hospitality toward the brethren who were teaching and preaching the word of God. Fellow workers. Is the way in which John referred to Gaius. A fellow worker in the gospel, the furtherance of the gospel. But John also, as I said, there's a contrast here that is drawn. He points out a man who is proud, who disregards leadership and acts as a self-appointed authority within the church, who is speaking and acting in such a way that it undermines the church and hinders the furtherance of the gospel and therefore is regarded as evil. You, you see, brothers and sisters, we need to know the difference between that which is good and that which is evil. All according to God's word, that we may be equipped and enabled to discern and choose wisely. Knowing what to imitate and what to avoid. We need to know that. And so we have that before us. Imitate good and not evil. Let's begin, though, with rejoicing. Verse 2 again. It says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. We see this as John begins this letter, an expression of excitement for Gaius. You know, have you ever had someone express uh, just, just a, a joy, an excitement uh, about you? How did that make you feel? Did, was that encouraging to you? On the other hand, you know, if you've been greeted or avoided, how did that make you feel? Right? When someone says, oh, it's so good to see you. I'm so happy to see you. I'm so glad that you're here. It's encouraging already, right? And if they say a few words to you of encouragement, they know some things about you, that's even more encouragement. And so John, you can see it in the letter, he's, he's, he's expressing this, this joy over this man, Gaius, and he wanted him to know. Hey, I find great joy. I rejoice in the fact that you are walking in the truth. At the same time, we know that this verse, verse 2, is somewhat of a common greeting in that day. And at the same time, we need to also realize and understand when you read that in a commentary, when you read that in the notes, some, something that someone wrote, we need to know this. The Bible is not common. And it is there for a reason. It may have been a common greeting. But we need to take those words and realize there's something more there. 
Sometimes this verse is used to promote health and wealth teaching, prosperity gospel. It's a false gospel. It's not a gospel at all. Name it and claim it is not biblical. It is not true. All right? Um, to uh, name it and claim it is kind of like doing this. This is what I want. And if I say it with enough faith, I believe it. I will force God's hand. He will have to move on my behalf. And that will be accomplished. No. Please, please show me that. So, somewhere in here. It's, it's not in there. What... <clears throat> what we so, so many times fail to acknowledge, and this is why we get upset, this is why we get bitter, this is why we run out of the church, we fail to recognize God's sovereignty. We must say, as Job said, naked I came into the world, naked I will leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, right? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Is it enough that you belong to him and leave everything up to him? Are you okay with that? We must be. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, if he is our God and our Lord, if we have entrusted to him our very lives, who are we to question him or demand from him something that perhaps is not his will? Now this... False teaching, and, and they're, they're on TV. Uh, TV, TV uh, is it TBN? Is that the? Littered with false teachers. The smiling preacher from Texas. What's his name? Joel Osteen, right? If you want to get motivated, if you want to just like come out of there pumped, then you know you can hear these motivational speakers. But they're they're not they're not teachers of the word of God. They teach health and wealth, prosperity gospel. It's a false gospel. This verse does not confirm or justify that at all. Proverbs chapter 30. Verse 6 says, Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say who is the Lord, or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. I remember um, a man that I had fellowship for for some time. His name's Sergio, and a uh, homeless man. And he would come when we were first at church, and and we were in this building, and, and he would come, and, and we would have sweet fellowship. He knew the word of God, and so we would go back and forth and just 
Talk, talk about Jesus. Talk about the Lord. Go over his word. You know that although he had nothing, he had reverence toward the Lord and he was joyful. Even in the state that he was in, he was content. He was okay. I, at the time, I, I had a, a business and I was self-employed. I had a commercial pressure washing business. And, and so I started taking him out on the night runs. You know, we would go uh, pressure wash and so we would have some great conversations and, and we would work together. This reminds me of him. And the reason why is because he's, he would always say, I'm okay. I'm okay. And he would quote these verses right here. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. He was a man that came and initially he painted a, a few rooms, right? Painted and, and so we helped him out a little bit and after about a year, he, year and a half or so, he, he disappeared. We don't know where he's at. But I think of this for, for us as a church. Are you content? Are you okay? Not, not, not desiring what perhaps you cannot even handle. There are some things that become distractions for you. Things financially, all that. What happens all, uh, many times is people will come and, and pray for those things to be fixed and taken care of, and then when they are given back, where are they? They're nowhere to be found. Perhaps the Lord has withdrawn a little bit so that you would pay attention to him. Is, he, is it okay if he does that in your life? Again, the sovereignty of God. Pay attention to him. Pay attention to him. The only thing that matters in this life, there's no greater value in anything else than what you will do with Jesus Christ today. That's it. And are you content with that? In 1 Timothy um, chapter 6, in verse 3, Says, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels, and, and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the, the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. 
And so we need to understand that this is not promoting prosperity gospel. We must be content with where the Lord has us and then keep our eyes fixed upon him. What John is saying here is he wishes Gaius a good journey. He's saying, I hope things go well for you. Another way of saying this is in the, in the day, in today's day and age is, yeah, well, if you are well, go and may it be well with you. Be of good cheer. God bless you. Right. And if you are well, which I hear you are doing well by walking in the truth, and I hope it goes well with you as it goes with your soul. I pray that God gives you favor and prospers you in every way. Why? Because he is faithful. Gaius is, is already showing that he is faithful. And so therefore, to the faithful, to those who are using everything that God is giving to them for the benefit and glory of God, then by all means, God, give them more. Why? Because I know that as you do give them favor, as you do entrust them with more that they are going to use it more for the furtherance of the gospel. I am constantly praying for my church family that all of you would be favored by the Lord for all who are walking in the truth, praying for you that God give you more favor because you use whatever God gives you for the furtherance of the gospel and the blessing of God's people. Because do, do we not desire that the gospel would be taken to the ends of the earth, that perhaps in our community and within our own families and friends and co-workers and neighbors, that they would know the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and that they would respond? Well, you can bring them here. They can hear the gospel and they can see the people of God and serve as encouragement to them. Well, there is rejoicing in verses 3 and 4. We see this exuberance that John displays here, just so happy and overwhelmed with Gaius. For I rejoice, verse 3, greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. There was nothing that pleased John more than hearing and knowing that his children were walking in the truth. Listen, it is one thing to see a child in your home reading, studying, and getting to know the Word of God. It's a blessing. When, when your son or daughter, you see them, they're studying the Word of God, they're highlighting the Word of God. They're writing down notes, right? And, and then you ask them a question and they give you an answer that aligns with the word of God. What, what great joy. There's, there's so much joy in that. And I'll tell you what, there's something even greater than that. When you hear someone else testify that your child is walking in the truth, that's when, that's when you yourself are filled with joy, you are rejoicing over that.
serving in the church, serving others with sincerity and purpose in Christ. You know, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And those good works that the Apostle Paul is referring to as he wrote to the Ephesians begins with personal everyday application of the word of God, knowing it and then applying it. Knowing how to live your life according to the word and by the leading of the Holy Spirit, drawing close and closer and closer to the Lord by reading his word on a daily basis, studying his word, serving others, Walking in the truth, knowing that if you do sin, be quick to confess that sin, repent of that sin, and quickly get back up and keep serving the Lord as you serve others. What this is referring to is is living with understanding of the truth and in a way that is genuine. To hear this testimony from others about Gaius caused great rejoicing in the heart of John as it pleases our God. Just for a moment, if you you could take that, because God loves when, when you're walking in the truth. God prefers, does he, does he prefer obedience or for you to come back to him and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me? Right? Of course, he prefers obedience. Why is it? Because it it expresses our love for him. That's what it does. It pleases the Lord. Well, there's rejoicing in the heart of the Apostle John, and and then we have have this uh, demonstrated and and shown, well, it's described in a practical way here in verses 5 through 8. Verse 5 says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So again, this is what John had heard about Gaius that the hospitality he demonstrated toward the teachers and the preachers that were sent to serve the church was done faithfully and in a manner worthy of God. Those are words that we should always keep before us as we serve the Lord. To do everything that we do in a manner worthy of God. With excellence. zeal for the Lord, with a desire to to see him glorified. You see, details do matter. In every area of ministry, every area of our lives, we should pay attention. Not be flippant about it, but pay attention. When Gaius welcomed those who those he, he, he knew were teaching God's word. He knew, and these are, these are men who are contending for the faith. They are teaching the very word of God. He took it seriously and, and he tended to them. He, he demonstrated to them hospitality with love. With excellence. 
and attention to details. These were men who were dependent upon the church, the body of believers to provide for them, and not expecting or taking anything from the Gentiles. And that's what we read here. So from unbelievers, these men were coming through. They were teaching the very word of God. And so they, they gave themselves to the church entirely. But at the same time, these men were to Gaius. They weren't men that he was familiar with personally. They were strangers as they were. And yet, they were fellow brothers in Christ. He knew exactly what they were there to do. For it says here, for they have gone out for the sake of the name. And so... As he loved the Lord, he served them and served them well, generously and with excellence. You know, First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And he did. For Gaius has made him a partner in the furtherance of the gospel. As we see in verse 8, he was a fellow worker for the truth. Now, I'm reminded of um, the time that we went to Haiti this last time. What was the name of that uh, place that we stayed at? I know they, the ministry is Iris, right across from the airport. Do you remember? Koinonia? Anyway, the Kainos. That's right, Kainos. Yeah, thank you. Um, <clears throat> I'm reminded of that because when we went... Um, you know, it was, it was small. I mean, it, this, uh, this place was, it was a fortress. Thank God that the Lord brought us there. And you guys that have heard this, the story, that you guys know what, what happened there. Uh, but we were brought in. And I was not expecting them to serve us breakfast uh, other than maybe some pastries and some things. You know, I was thinking that. From the very beginning, the moment that we stepped foot on that property... Uh, Jonathan and Floor, his wife, offered us coffee, pastries, in their little dining room that they had. I mean, this, this place had just a, a couple of rooms. That's all it had. But we were treated with great hospitality. Wonderful. In the morning when we got up, we were getting ready to go to the airport to fly back to Florida, I remember waking up and, and, then, and then going to the kitchen and the dining room, and they had a wonderful spread for us, just for us. And I thought, that is amazing. That encouraged us. After all that we had gone through up to that point, we thought, Lord, you are, you are so good to us. They laid out this breakfast, and it was a wonderful breakfast, and we broke bread with them. John and Floor are now and were then fellow workers for the truth. Don't, don't ever dismiss hospitality. Those details do matter. Even when we gather together afterwards, there's a reason why we gather together, why we break bread together, why we have fellowship coming together. But then they're stumbling. For the sake of time, we need to get through this, right? This is just... A few verses. Stumbling, verse 9, let's continue. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, 
And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to uh, and puts them out of the church. Um, so obviously, as we read, this is a, this is a public rebuke of this man, Diotrephes. Uh, I want to share with you a couple verses, a few verses um, that uh, support this, and there's more, but just a few here. Romans 16, 17 says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles, contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 15 and 15, 14 and 15 says, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. You see this guy, Diotrephes, it was a source of stumbling. And John wanted to make sure that no one was caught off guard. So he warned them. He told them about this Diotrephes. Gave them a little background. You know, I remember uh, first running in formation. Uh, I remember especially as we, we would do these runs uh, when I was in the Navy and running with like the dive team. We would be running. But so here's the thing is the, the guys who were leading um, the formation would have to call out. There were obstacles. There were, there were things in the way, fire hydrants, holes, curbs, uh, walls, whatever it was, was before them. So they would have to call out, hole, and everyone else behind them knew exactly what to look for. Or, fire hydrant. And if you really didn't care if the guy behind you Nailed that fire hydrant, don't say a thing. They would come right up on him. Oh, that's all you'd hear in the back. And that happened on more than one occasion. As Christians, we need to do this. As brothers and sisters in Christ, when we see something, an obstacle, we need to point it out and then avoid it so that everyone else avoids that and doesn't get hurt, doesn't stumble, doesn't fall down into that hole or hits that fire hydrant, so to speak. What was wrong with this guy, Diotrephes? Well, as unfortunately, it is not unusual. There are people within the church who appoint themselves as the authority. That happens. It happens everywhere. It really does. But we need to be aware of these things. This is exactly what we have before for us. Diotrephes. He was a self-appointed authority within the church and refused to acknowledge actual authority within the church. For instance, the Apostle John. He failed to acknowledge him. Now, John did say, he was brief here, but he did say that he would give further details when he got to them in person. He would speak to them. But he did say that this guy was talking wicked nonsense against him and others who were leaders and teachers of the word of God. In other words, he was gossiping. And this is what we have here. This is what, what John is saying. He's gossiping. Empty, useless talk that is malicious in nature. Serving to lift himself up by tearing down everyone else with words that were evil in nature. Listen, there's, there's subtle ways of doing this. A person can do this by sharing things in confidence. All right? By sharing things in confidence with people that have no business knowing such things or now you putting those thoughts into their minds, especially toward those who are actual authority figures within the church. So if you start hearing that, what it is is it's gossip. 
What you are to do, what is the right thing to do, is point them toward the person who they're talking about. You know, I know Chuck Smith's, Pastor Chuck Smith's assistant, Romaine. He's, he's known for the story of this guy who was complaining about Pastor Chuck. And uh, he's walking with them. They're walking together. And, and uh, <clears throat> you know, he has him. And then, and then, and then Romaine, Pastor Chuck's assistant, uh, opens his door and, and grabs this guy and walks him right into Pastor Chuck's office. And he says, hey, Pastor Chuck, this man has a few things to say to you. And he closes the door. <laughs> that is a good brother. That is a good brother. We need to have that done more within our church. I don't know about other churches, but we need to do that more here. Right? You hear something, it's in confidence. I trust that you hold on to that. Stop. Just stop. What you're putting in my ears is not good. Go to that person. Go talk to them. And I pray, Lord, I pray you wash my ears out. I, I don't want to have any perception of anyone else that, that is just hearsay, right? The right thing for you to do, send them right to that person. After all, the word does say, if a brother has offended you, go to him personally. In other words, man up, woman up. Get on it and go do it in love because the whole point of that is reconciliation. All right? Don't give ear to that. Well, that's what this guy was doing. He was gossiping. He was undermining uh, the actual men of authority within the church. John Trapp said this, quote, The word signifieth to talk bubbles of words. It is a metaphor taken from overseething pots that send forth foam or from overcharged stomachs that must needs belch. This guy in his own way casts doubt, undermines authority, gossips, and hinders the furtherance of the gospel. That's really the bottom line what he was doing. So John, in his love to the beloved, he was warning them. Tell them, hey, listen, that's what this one is, but I want to tell you, they're everywhere, and that's why we need to be aware. We need to be uh, really clear-minded and discerning, right? Do not let them stumble you. Be discerning. Instead, imitate again what is good. Let's continue on, and we're going to wrap up here. Verse 11 says, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. Good from God. Evil, not from God, does not know God. This man, Demetrius, a man who, in contrast to Diotrephes, right, was a man who had a good testimony. He was a man of integrity. Others testified of him, and then John himself and the others with him also testified of the very same thing. In fact, the, the truth that he walked in was in alignment with the truth found in God's word. That should always be what people testify of us, uh, testifies of us, that, that people would say, you know what, Bettina, she walks in the truth, in the truth of God's word. Not in her own truth, because truth that is opposed to God is no truth at all. 
That's what was being said of Demetrius. He received a good testimony from others, just as Gaius had, and John heard that he was walking in the truth, and it blessed him. He rejoiced in, in Demetrius as well. You see, Demetrius's truth was that he was living in sincerity in God's truth. It was wonderful. Others testified of this, and so did John. And finally, verse 13, John writes, I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. Your friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. You know, as I continue in my own personal walk with the Lord, I, I enjoy more and more hanging out with you guys. Fellowship with me, fellowshipping with you, which means so much. So much is, is inclusive of that. But I would rather not, right? I'd rather talk to you. That's why, by the way, I, I go around and I make myself available as I hope you make yourself available. That in that time we get to know each other. That I know what to pray for you about. That we demonstrate to anyone who walks through those doors, oh, they're just not in and out. They hang out sometimes for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and then afterwards we say, let's go to lunch. Or by that time, maybe dinner. <laughs> I understand John John desired most of all to go in person and talk to the people with all of this said how about you do you know the word of God well enough to be discerning of what is good and what is evil do you know who to avoid and who to align yourself with do your due diligence make sure that you do not just receive anything that you hear and see on YouTube or on some podcast or anything like that and just like, oh, I, that sounds good. Let's go with it. No, no, no. Even worship. Oh, man. You know, just know their origins. Know, know what kind of teachers they are. Study up. Make sure that you get into the Word of God and then know how to discern that which is evil and that which is good. All right? Knowing who to avoid and who to align yourself with. With. Are you able to recognize who's worth imitating and who is worth avoiding? Just as John simply marked and warned the believers, uh, so we too do today. We do the very same thing. I, I trust that by knowing God's word, you too will know to avoid people like Diotrephes and instead of walking the truth to the glory of God like Gaius and Demetrius. May we be like them and walk in the truth. Imitate good and not evil. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that you've given to us to gather together as your people. I pray, Father, that it was a blessing to you, Lord, and that your words would resonate in our hearts. Lord, that we would not take this time lightly. I also ask, Father, as I had expressed at the very beginning, the whole reason why we're here is, is number one, to gather together as your people and study your word and fellowship together. Jesus being central to it all, but also, Lord, to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, you are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. 
And so it is that for that reason, knowing that there is no other way to the Father but through the Son. For Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And everyone who confesses that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, that person shall be saved. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Pray, Lord, that today there are people here that have not surrendered their lives to you. Father, I pray that you would move in their hearts. That they would confess their sins to you. Cry out to you. Ask you to be Lord and Savior. Believing in Jesus Christ that he paid for their sins in full on the cross. And come running to you. Having the hope of heaven. And you in that, in that miracle of a moment when they completely surrender to you. That you would give them a new heart. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. And seal them with this spirit for the day of redemption. Them knowing that they belong to you. That there's no more doubt anymore. That today, hope has arrived, and the certainty of heaven is known. Anyone here, Lord, you move in their hearts, I pray, I ask that you would bring them conviction, and that they would completely surrender to you, and cry out to you with great joy, knowing that the condemnation that they were in because of their sin is known no longer. Now they have been forgiven, and now they know the hope of heaven. Through their faith, their surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior, knowing that he paid for their sins with his blood. And so, Father, I thank you. And I pray, Lord, that as we're, we're worshiping, as we're singing, Lord, that those people, whoever it is that surrenders their life to you today, would rejoice and come up and just let it be known however that looks Lord in Jesus name